Hello once again everybody. This is Anthony, Anthony Harris with Looking Back Moving Forward. I want to spend a little time with you today uh, going over a few things that are on my mind, some things I need to just almost vent. It's not a rant, just venting about some things that are going on in our country right now and going on in our state that I think we need to think about, need to talk about. We certainly don't need to forget these things. We don't need to uh, sweep them under the rug and uh, pretend that they don't exist. I was reading this morning a story in um, it was one of the Dallas uh, news affiliates where they were talking about something going on over in South Lake Carroll, which is a suburb of Fort Worth over in the, the Metroplex area. And it goes something like this. Uh, there, South Lake Carroll is a very affluent, very wealthy community. Uh, average house, average house uh, is, is about $650,000. That's the average cost of a house there, about $650,000. And uh, former professional football players and people of all, um, not all income levels, but those in the upper income levels live in uh, that particular town. And it has, it has drawn some attention here recently because um, some some black families that have lived there for 20, 30 years, uh, their children have become targets and victims of racial epithets and, and remarks from white students at Carroll High School. <clears throat> uh, the story that was uh, that I read today has to do with a mother uh, whose husband was very influential, very much of a leader in the community. He passed away uh, some time ago, and she's a single mom bringing up her kids, and and she was, one of her kids told her once about uh, a video, and they found this video of some white kids um, using the N-word, you know, just very freely, and with no remorse, no fear of being caught, no fear of the consequences, just freely using the N-word and all other kinds of racial uh, slurs. And this mother began to realize it was not just her daughters who were, uh, her, her children who were experiencing this. this were, there were other black families. And keep in mind, there aren't that many black families there, but the ones who are there, some have been there for quite a long time. But at any rate, uh, former students of that, that high school, current students of that school, have come forward and they have begun to talk about what's going on, what has been going on in their school. And the, the mother basically challenged the school board to develop some kind of curriculum that addresses uh, diversity and inclusion and trying to encourage young people to uh, think not in racist terms, but think in, in terms of, you know, I, I need to be a uh, sort of on this road to being an anti-racist. Uh, that's the way I would put it. But trying to get them and encourage them to rid themselves and purge themselves of, of any racial thoughts, anything that would lead to somebody making a video using the N-word. That's just not acceptable. So one of the solutions that went to the board was a, a, a course in the curriculum on diversity and inclusion. Uh, I don't know all the details of that, but uh, it, it simply, as I understand it, was a way of encouraging children, uh, school kids, 
to to think uh, about diversity and think about inclusion, think about people who are different than they are, not using racial uh, slurs and racial animus towards uh, people whose whose race is different than their own. You know, a very seems to me a very noble thing to do and a very basic human uh, rights thing to do is is encourage people to treat other people with dignity and to treat other people with respect and not have to uh, subject people to being called names, uh, racial slurs and so forth. That To me, that just seems like a, that's a no-brainer, <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I'm thinking, why would anybody object to that? Why would anybody think that's a bad idea? Well, as you can imagine, there were lots of people in South Lake Carroll who thought that was a terrible idea. And they went to school board meetings. And of course, I was a school board president for one a, a, a long time ago. And very seldom do people show up for school board meetings unless there's something, some hot button issue they need to get in there and talk about. And that's what happened at a couple of meetings. They talked with the board president and, and she made a similar remark that very seldom do people show up for the school board meetings. But on this particular, this particular issue, the room was just packed and crowded with people most of whom uh, were there to object to this new curriculum on diversity and inclusion. They said it was a, a, a leftist, communist, Marxist attempt to control the minds of their children. And they did not want anybody teaching their kids that equality and racial justice and social justice were ideals that we ought to be living up to and working towards. They did not want their kids to be exposed to that kind of thinking. They felt if those kids became aware that racism exists in this country, uh, that they have the ability to affect and eradicate uh, racism, they felt that that would just be too much. That that was a bridge too far. They were not going to allow their kids to go down that road. So there was enough um, opposition to that proposal to add that curriculum, that item to the curriculum. The board basically backed off, and because they, they, the side that wanted the uh, the changes, wanted to improve the quality of life for black students, and to educate other students about racial differences. Um, those those people were just far outnumbered, and to exacerbate the problem, um, they someone in the city in, in 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 the town of South Lake thought it was a good idea to to inject some bring in some statewide politicians and some uh, statewide leaders. So they they brought in um, Alan West, who is an African American man, who is head of the Re Texas Republican Party. And he came in to just lambast these people who dared talk about uh, diversity and inclusion and multiculturalism. And he just, he just, um, from what I read, he was not very kind to the Black Lives Matter movement. He was not even kind to uh, ideas about diversity and inclusion and multiculturalism. And, and he was well received, receiving a standing ovation by people in the audience there because again here here was somebody who was whose whose skin was was dark uh who was there complaining about and even more loudly complaining about it than whites were so he was a perfect person to come in and assuage any kind of guilt 
racist thoughts that the whites in the community had because here's a black man who's coming in and being even more forceful than they were and being more bold in his criticism of other black people and of diversity and inclusion. So they, they felt very comfortable that they had hit the, the mark there. And so the, um, there, there are people in the community still, as I read the article, who still are not going to give up on the idea of getting diversity and inclusion included in the curriculum there at that school. And it, it goes to show you that, you know, back in the day, people were saying, well, you know, it's only the, the, the poor white communities where you see racism. It's only in the, uh, the uneducated communities where you see bastions of racism and, and races. But this is an illustration that your, your income and, and your, uh, your zip code don't give you a pass, don't, don't qualify you to be exempt from being racist. I mean, these people have, in that community, as I said, the average home, uh, cost of a home is $650,000, folks. That's a, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of money. And yet, so many of these people have these these outdated, antiquated, racist beliefs about black kids. And I, and I think one of the things that that these parents who are objecting to this, they should ask themselves, why are my kids making videos like that? Why are they going around using the N word? Where did they get that from? And have I ever sat down and talked to my kids about um, my disapproval of, of that, my disapproval of systemic racism, chances are they have not had that conversation with them. And I would also probably believe that many of them learned their beliefs and some of their, those kids learned some of their beliefs and racist attitudes right there sitting around the dinner table with mom and dad, or riding to soccer practice or wherever they happen to convene. And um, that's how they got there. Those kids didn't just wake up one morning and decided they were going to make a video using the N-word. They felt it was it was okay. They felt that it was uh, permissible. They felt they would not get into trouble, which they didn't get in. And you know they they learned it from their parents. <laughs> you know that's the best way to put it. They learned it from those parents, those same parents who are now telling uh, black parents, um, you know, just. The, get over this racism stuff, just move on, you know, there's nothing to that. So I invite you to follow that 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 story. It, it, it'll be interesting to see. One of the things I'm going to try to do here in, in the near future is to contact one of the black parents there and see if I can have a conversation with her about what's going on in South Lake Carroll. The other thing that I want to talk about is, again, it's an extension of what happened on January 6th as we as we can see there there's just been a whole lot of things going on there's this representative from texas from texas gosh from georgia representative marjorie taylor green marjorie taylor green some of the people have heard her she is the QAnon supporter from northwest georgia who is new to the house of representatives and she comes into the house with some baggage and based on some things she has done in the past, things that she has said in the past, such as the, um, the, the execution of those kids at Sandy Hook was, um, didn't happen. Uh, she was seen on video um, 
verbally attacking, verbally harassing one of the survivors, survivors rather, at, of the massacre in Florida, the high school there in Florida, because she thought he was infringing on her right to, to carry a gun, her Second Amendment rights, which it wasn't, had nothing to do with that. And she's also said on video that Nancy Pelosi is guilty of treason and she should be shot. And she's done a lot of these, uh, you know, just really off the wall, unhinged things that she has said before she became a, a, a representative and now after she has become a representative. She has not backed down. She has not. Now, one of the things that she did try to do after she said none of what she said on, on social media, social media, including uh, stories and memes and and posts that she click like, which means that she's agreed, she agreed with those posts. She said there was nothing wrong with that. She has a perfect right to say what she wants to say. But interestingly enough, now that it has become public, she's gone and removed all references to those statements. And the question is, if you thought there was nothing wrong with them, why did you remove them? And, and I think she really doesn't have any fear of being, um, chided or reprimanded or criticized by the Republican leadership of the House, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, especially after she said she got a phone call from Donald Trump encouraging her to not back down and stay the course. And she's very proud of the fact that Donald Trump is now on in her corner, and which leads to, to protection that she, she so desperately wants because who in their right mind, well, I mean that facetiously, what Republican is going to go against Donald Trump? You know, it's just not going to happen. If you know, it's like uh, somebody says, "This is the person that I that I would support." This is the person that I say, "Leave her alone." Uh, those those Republicans are going to do just that. They aren't going to say or do anything. You know, back a couple of years ago, they they stripped uh, Representative Steve King of his. Um, he was on a couple of committees. In, in the House and the Republican leadership stripped him of those committees because he was making some very racist remarks. He just, he, one of the things he said was, uh, why is white supremacy and racism, systemic racism, bad words? He just didn't think there was a problem with those concepts. So they did something with him. So they, they do have a, a history of reprimanding uh, members of their, of their conference, their caucus, who have done things to um, embarrass them, embarrass the country, embarrass the, the, the conference, or embarrass the, the whole country. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I, I don't look for Kevin McCarthy to do anything beyond what he's already said he would do, and that is to have a conversation with her. I don't believe he's going to do it. And even if he does, all she has to say, I don't care what you say, Kevin, uh, Donald Trump supports me. And what does Donald Trump support? He supports QAnon. And QAnon is this conspiracy theory-based um, group. They have these wild beliefs about Democrats being pedophiles and drinking the blood of babies and you know just far crazy things. And in fact, this, this woman from Georgia, uh, Green, she talks about uh, forest fires, the fires in, in, in um, California being the result of lasers from outer space. Uh, Jew, that, that Jews are causing these by firing these lasers into uh, um, 
trees and forests in, in California, and that's what's causing the forest fires. So she's a she's an interesting uh, legislator. Uh, what was even ironic is that she has now been assigned to the Education Committee and the Labor Committee in the House. And you just have to stop and wonder, why would somebody who was in denial, still in denial about what happened at Sandy Hook with all those babies who were killed, all those kids who were hurt and shot at that high school in Florida, why would, and, and, and that's education, right? These are education institutions. Why would anybody put somebody like her on those committees? It shows that she has such disdain for education. She has such disdain for children especially those who, who who've lost their lives. I mean, I just don't understand what Kevin McCarthy is doing. And and I think it, it's symptomatic of what's going on in, in the Republican Party. They just don't know what to do. I think they're rudderless. They're leaderless. They're, they're like lost in the wilderness and they're trying to sort out and figure out who is the leader of this party. And, and how is this party going to be describe is it the republican party is it the trump party uh, is there any distinction between trumpism and republicanism are they they one and the same and who's going to step up and step out uh, to say that the republican party doesn't stand for bigotry the republican party doesn't stand for uh, support of right-wing um, hate groups nobody's doing that nobody is is being critical of of these right-wing groups because they know uh, they have the support of the Republican Party. So uh, it'll be interesting to, to see which direction the, the Republican Party is going to go. Are they going to stay the course and remain in fear of Donald Trump? Um, and I don't know why they're so fearful of him, man. I mean, look, he can't even use Twitter anymore. How is he going to go out and sick his um, followers on somebody if he he's having trouble communicating with him but I guess he still has some other sources that he can or resources that he can use to get his word out uh, also the the other thing I don't understand why people still intimidated by this man is that uh, I shared with you last time that his his approval rating leaving office according to Fox News was only 29 percent only 29 percent of people approve them and, and and how do you fear somebody who who less than a third of the people really support and approve. So he's, um, and also I, I read some somewhere recently that since the insurrection on January 6th, um, you know, some one state, one location, 30,000 people left the Republican Party and they become independents because they are ashamed of being affiliated with a party and a president that have uh, just kind of stood by and let this insurrection occur. Now, what's coming up next is um, the impeachment hearing, the, the trial, basically. And we, we know what's going to happen there. I think it's a foregone conclusion that there will not be 17 Republican senators who will um, say that Donald Trump incited that insurrection. Now, what they'll say, and some have said so, he is responsible for the insurrection. His words were uh, caused that insurrection. But we shouldn't um, 
we shouldn't convict him of anything. I think it was Nikki Haley, uh, former governor of South Carolina and former UN ambassador, said recently on Fox that people should just get over it, just move on. You know, it's over with, and and the president has suffered enough. He he was voted out of office. Let 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 that just let's just forget about this. Let's just move on. And and there are people who are who just they say we want to hold him accountable. But we just don't want to do it. We want the voters to hold him accountable. We want uh, the financial institutions, all these things, to hold him accountable. But it's it's a really strange world out there right now because, uh, on the one hand, these individuals are saying that some of them anyway are saying that Trump was responsible. His words did incite the insurrection and the rioting and the terroristic activities that went on. But there's just no thing he should be held accountable for it. They say it because they don't think it's constitutional, that there's nothing in the Constitution to impeach uh, a a private citizen, which is uh, a vote to convict a private citizen, which Trump is right now. And it's interesting also that um, Chuck Schumer, and they wanted to, and and Nancy Pelosi, they wanted the trial to start uh, like the 19th or the 20th, or right after the, um, while Trump was uh, a period when, when Trump was still in office, now, he was still in office. They wanted it. This was prior to the inauguration of Joe Biden. They wanted to do it sooner than than the inauguration. And of course, Mitch McConnell said, "No, no, we don't want to do it before then. Let's wait until February 7th." So the the conundrum there is. They waited until February 7th when he was out of office, and then that became the reason to not convict him is because he's out of office. Uh, You understand what's going on there? Uh, If the trial had taken place while he was in office, uh, he may have been convicted. We don't know. But if you wait, and McConnell said, we can't do it now. Let's wait until after Biden is, is inaugurated. And by the time... Trump is a, a private citizen. Then they use that as a reason not to convict him is that he's a private citizen. Well, if they had done it in a timely manner, he would have been, maybe there would have been a, a trial and he might have been convicted. But I think as time moves on, you're going to find more and more of his supporters uh, finding ways to rationalize what happened on January 6th. They're going to find ways of making excuses for Donald Trump's rhetoric and his uh, behavior um, for whatever reason, uh, because they honestly think or, or that they, they are afraid of Trump or they honestly think that he didn't do anything wrong. They thought he had a right to say what he had to say. <clears throat> but uh, he's, he's going to... Uh, I, I'm kind of anxious to see what this trial is going to look like on the 7th. <clears throat> I heard that, uh, read today, that he's finding it hard to find somebody to defend him for this trial. That he has, he wants his defense to be that he was right to say that his, he lost the election because of fraud. He, he wants his defense to be, uh, he should have been sworn in as president. He wants his defense to be the election was rigged and everything coming out of that <clears throat> came he, everything he said was because he was uh, robbed of the election, and, and he wants that to be his defense. And most of these attorneys, 
they backed away and said, no, that's not a defense. You can't prove anything. You have no documentation. You have no evidence that the election was fraudulent, that the election was um, rigged in any kind of way. That just, that just isn't evidence. That, so anyway, even Rudy Giuliani can't defend him because Rudy Giuliani is probably going to be a witness because he was very much involved in some of the rhetoric and the speech making that went on just prior to the riots there on, on, on January 6th. So a lot of things going on in our country. Um, COVID is still around. Over 400,000 of our fellow citizens have lost their lives. Um, the rollout of the vaccine, uh, the administration of the vaccine is still troubled. There are still people waiting, <clears throat> un unsure, don't know how they're going to get the vaccine. So I think we, we've got some We've got some, still have some challenges ahead with, with the vaccine. And of course, uh, it's quite interesting that when Trump was in office, he kept calling it the China virus, the China virus. And, and he only said it so he could um, be derisive towards China and, and, and in a xenophobic way and try to gin up opposition and anger towards China, like China uh, in, in intentionally infected people in, around the world with the virus. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I actually say I call it the, the Trump virus because uh, it was his inaction and his not paying attention to what was going on in the early stages of it that no doubt contributed to so many people becoming infected by the virus. When he said it was a hoax, uh, it was uh, just the Democrats uh, trying to get back at him and, 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 only 15 people had the, the virus and as soon it would go away. And they even said uh, after the election on November, the election was November 3rd and November 4th, people would stop talking about, the, uh, about COVID and the pandemic. And because they were saying the only reason people were talking about it was to hurt Donald Trump. Well, guess what, folks? Um, people are still talking about it. People are still dying. And people are still getting infected with that terrible virus. And I would also encourage people to go out and get the vaccine. I mean, if you can get on a waiting list, uh, I got my first shot uh, a few days ago and, and, and I was on, on that computer just every day, just I was on like three or four, maybe five waiting lists, just needing to get that first shot. And I have my second shot coming up in a few weeks. But I know there are people out there who simply don't believe that they should take this vaccine. I, I say, please don't, don't avoid taking the shot because that's how you're going to keep the virus from spreading. There are some people who don't believe in masks. There are some people who don't believe in vaccines. And when you couple that, you, what you have is a, is a perfect storm for the virus continuing because I think a lot of these people believe that you know, the virus was a hoax, the virus does not exist, that some even say crazy things like doctors are being paid to uh, certify that a person died of COVID. There's so many crazy conspiracy theories like that. But the fact of the matter is that it's a deadly virus. Um, almost everybody in this country knows somebody, either a friend or, or a relative, a co-worker, somebody who's been affected in some way by this virus. It's nothing to play with and there's nothing to um, to to 
discount or to not take seriously. This is a deadly virus in there. There were 400,000 people in this country who um, who lost their lives because of that. And the virus, you know, there are these different variants and different strains coming through, um, you know, from Brazil and from South Africa and from other parts of the world. And I just wonder, you know, is, are they going to call that the Brazilian virus? Are they going to call that the South African virus? Or do they want to try to bring ridicule to South Africa and Brazil? I don't know. Uh, it's interesting, too, is that you know, I think President Biden has kind of moved the the conversation and the the lexicon in a different direction rather than calling it the China virus. You know, it's the COVID virus, and that's what it is. It doesn't demean, it doesn't bring attraction, bring attention rather to a country or to citizens of that country. And uh, someone posted on Facebook today, uh, China virus, China virus, China virus. You take that. Joe Biden. And then several of this person's friends responded with the same statement, China virus, China virus, China virus, which is such a, it's petulance at its, at its height. I mean, it's just, why would you even do that? Do you think, do you really think Joe Biden cares whether or not you say China virus, China virus, China virus? No. And does it help to rid us rid us of this terrible plague this virus no it just it just perpetuates this nonsense and and it and and it, and it, and it probably satisfies some people's desire to to engage in xenophobia to to be hateful towards other groups and they just feel so comfortable and with um with that way of thinking and i think donald trump um, made it so much easier and so much acceptable for people who probably 10 or 15 years ago wouldn't have dared say anything like that. But now Trump has made it so easy and so convenient and so permissible to use such hateful references. And, um, you know, I'll just say this and then I, I'm going to <laughs> close that. The same person put on Facebook um, challenging Biden supporters to um, um, write and and to respond to this request of why did you vote for Biden? What is it about Biden that you liked? What is it about other than the fact that you thought Trump didn't have good character or something like that? And and, and nobody responded. I mean, this person said all I got was crickets. Nobody. They don't. They don't really support. They don't know why they support Biden or. Or if they did, they would be replying. And, and I chose not to reply because it, it reminds me of, you know, if you've been on a plane or you've been in a car and there's somebody sitting behind you, a kid maybe, who keeps bumping your seat, keeps kicking it, and you find it very annoying. And you, you don't want to say anything, but this person is being very annoying. And, and you know if you say something, that's not going to stop it. They're going to keep doing it. So what you try to do is just ignore it. And that's how I see some of this. If the question had been posed in such a way as to encourage dialogue and discussion rather than to promote and to encourage uh, some sort of civil, uncivil discourse rather, I probably would have said something. But I think we have to be really discerning when we see these posts out there and make up our minds about whether or not to 
respond to them because um, some of them are just it's just a waste of time um, sometimes it's really hard to be reasonable with unreasonable people and it just you just end up being frustrated um, and I have taken the uh, the path of I'm not going to reply to this stuff when when these people say these crazy irrational things because I know they aren't they aren't doing it to promote dialogue they're doing it to, to provoke uh, a a uh, an argument and I'm just I'm just tired of it I'm just really tired of all the fighting and stuff so anyway I think some of you are as well I'm going to uh, say goodbye to you right now um, we are about to come up on Black History Month here in a uh, tomorrow and um, I want us to, I'm probably going to do some things for Black History Month that I think need to be said about the contributions of African Americans to this country so um, until then, we'll, we'll talk to you later. We'll see you. Take care. Bye-bye.